Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Welcome to Future Proof the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. This episode is part of a series recorded remotely in March 2020 to look at the impact of COVID-19 on brands, businesses and consumers. Welcome to the Future Proof Podcast. In this episode, we want to talk about customer experience, particularly related to financial services, as we are going through the coronavirus pandemic. My name is Walker Smith. I'm the Chief Knowledge Officer for Brand and Marketing with Kantar, and today I'm joined by Barbara Cador, who is our Global Head of Customer Experience. Welcome to the podcast, Barbara. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So we've seen a lot going on with this outbreak of the coronavirus. It has affected all kinds of businesses in all kinds of ways, but certainly it has had a big impact on customer experience. A lot of people are concerned about engagement with other people these days. We're going through a lot of social distancing in various markets around the world. It's got to have a big impact on how brands think about managing the experience they have with customers in the marketplace. What are you seeing around the world, Barbara? What, what's going on these days? You know, we're seeing very different reactions from companies and brands around the world. What we we've seen is we believe that any crisis or disruption or pandemic, whatever you want to call what's happening right now, is just fast forwarding things that were meant to happen, especially when we talk and think about the customer experience space. So think about digitalization of services, think about remote working, think about several ways of empowering your customers to get access to your services remote. So things like that. And it's it's been very interesting to see how the different sectors and brands have reacted so dramatically differently. So what do you see going on in financial services in particular? You know, this is an industry that has been trying to move customers towards digital solutions now for a number of years. But of course, they still depend upon a lot of interaction with people at their branches. How are financial services institutions, banks especially, responding to this? I think the financial sector in general is going to be really tested on how well they were prepared for this global shock 
to the economy that obviously no one saw coming. And thanks God, the first one who have been subjected to these shock were Asian banks, and they had a bit of a legacy of dealing with similar situation. If you think about the SARS epidemic, thinking about the banks in Asia, not only in China, but in Singapore, they reacted very quickly to that and were able to stabilize the situation very quickly. They're learning their lesson. We know that the banking system in general is pretty resilient, but looking at what's happening in Italy now and the economic damage that this crisis could trigger, there is, you know, strong reasons to believe that the bank will be very, very challenged and they will have to react strongly to what's happening. Yeah, we see a lot of that pressure going on in various markets around the world. In the U.S., banks are being encouraged to be a little more lenient with their customers in terms of loan repayment or credit terms with customers. This obviously has an impact on the liquidity of banks and their ability to kind of manage their day-to-day operations. So it is a big challenge. It's a challenge, I think, in a very different way than what we might have seen in the financial crisis. But certainly a big opportunity as well for banks that are able to kind of weather this and figure out some new ways of engaging with customers. I do think it's ushering in opportunities for banks that they've been trying to pursue in the marketplace anyway. So with people now working from home, with people now moving more and more towards digital solutions, I think banks are going to see opportunities with all of that becoming used by customers more and more at a faster rate than what we might have seen any So that does create a little bit of an upside as we look beyond the pandemic that we're going through right now. But I do think it's a challenge. Banks depend a lot upon these personal relationships with customers, and that's part of the challenge that banks are having trying to manage their way through this crisis. This kind of pressure on customer relationships, though, must really be affecting lots of other kinds of industries and lots of other kinds of businesses. Do you see a challenge with banks that's unique or what is the common thread across all of these other industries, Barbara? The thing about the retail banking sector or the financial service sector that is unique is obviously that, as we've seen in Asia, the worry that people have about the financial health is actually bigger than their worry about the virus or the disease itself, because people start a mass hysteria arising, like we've seen around this grocery stockpiling or hoarding. People think about their financial health and then start thinking about, is there going to be global recession? Is there going to be hiring freeze, staff reduction? And it's very natural for people to forget about the the actual health risk and start thinking about, am I going to be able to feed my family tomorrow? And that's where the bank has a massive role to play as a some kind of a systemic stabilizer for society and families and households around the world. And I think that in this situation, the digitalization of banks and the way we have used technology to infuse some kind of modern touch into the customer journey, I think we have to look at that with a different lens and understand that the human touch is more than ever important to avoid these panic actions from people who suddenly think, 
what's going to happen with my money? What's going to happen with my financial health? Will I still have access to my money? Is there somebody I can talk with about that? Or will I be subjected to a chat with a chatbot, which is probably not reassuring for most of the people? So I think that human touch is going to be massively important. I think that's right. And I think it's a question of reinventing how you deliver human touch in this new environment where people are going to be more concerned about hygiene than ever. And how do you overcome that kind of a reluctance as you are delivering this kind of human touch in the marketplace? You know, last year we did an analysis of household financial situations using some Federal Reserve data in the U.S., And we found that there were basically three broad kinds of households with respect to household finances. We kind of call it our financial statement analysis. And the most vulnerable of these three are are a group of consumers we refer to as cash flow consumers. They live from one uncertain pay event to the next. They generally work shift work or gig work, so they're not salaried generally. They tend to be the most vulnerable economically, and I think they've been most impacted in the near term term by some of the economic fallout from this crisis. There's also a group we refer to as the income statement consumer. They generally tend to have salary jobs, so it's not an uncertain pay event, but they are just getting by. They're spending right about what they budget. This is a group that's also impacted by a lot that's going on, but they're a group that will tend to trade down more than trade out entirely like cash flow consumers. And then finally, there's what we refer to as a balance sheet consumer. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. They have a lot of assets. They tend to be higher income consumers. But curiously, they've been affected a lot by this too, by the fluctuations in the stock market. Their discretionary spend is also being affected. So it's almost as if banks can't look at any segment of the marketplace and find a kind of consumer whose finances have not been significantly affected by some of the economic fallout of this. Clearly, it's different kinds of impact. But I think banks are faced with this issue of of trying to figure out where they can look to find customers who feel stable enough in their finances to want to take advantage of some of these banking services. And this uncertainty, I guess, is where I think I'm headed with this explanation. As you look ahead, what do you think it's going to take for banks and for other kinds of financial institutions to address this sort of uncertainty and restore some confidence among their customers? That's a good question. I think it very much depends on how this is going to further develop. And there's 
still a big question mark as to how fast we're going to be able to stabilize the situation. We've seen it started in China, so there was Italy, then soon followed by Spain. Now we're obviously seeing the UK, Germany, United States now hardly hit by all of this. And I think that depends a lot on how hard, but also how many markets are going to be impacted by this. This is going to be a decisive factor as to how quickly banks are going to be able to course correct this. And obviously, there's also the role that governments and regulators have to play to understand the challenge and possibly relaxing the rules for banks. I think there's already first conversation around that for banks to fully use their capital and liquidity buffers, obviously, to try and avoid the worst. So it's interesting. And I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about banks really struggling to segment their customers according to how hard they may be taking the situation, because this is very true. We've been seeing that in a lot of different markets. The problem and the experience through the crisis of consumers has been augmented. $100 today is absolutely not the same amount of money as it was a month or two months ago because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's got a much more importance, the amount of money, than it was before. So I think there's also that emotional aspect around the importance of financial health because we do not know how long we'll have to hold on on what we have. And I think we need to stay positive and hope for regulators and government to take the appropriate actions. It's going to be interesting. So this is a really interesting conversation, Barbara. We're about to run out of time here, but there's one thing I think we probably ought to cover, something that our listeners, I think, are really interested in before we conclude, and that's all about data and privacy. So we have seen that one of the ways some countries have been effective in controlling the pandemic is to really crack down on the movement and the activities of people in those countries. And they've done so by using a lot of surveillance techniques to just keep track of people's movements. And as we look at this, you know, there is this discussion going on nowadays about whether or not this is creating a precedent for greater surveillance and greater use of data to manage what people are doing in order to protect something like public health. But this has some business implications as well. You know, it almost creates a precedent that might carry over into commercial relationships or commercial transactions. This has been a long-standing issue of debate in financial services, the use of people's private information. As we come out of this pandemic and having been through this experience and use this kind of information in new sorts of ways, do you think we're going to have a different conversation about privacy and data going forward as it relates to business in general and financial services, perhaps more specifically? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And actually, we have found out that about 50%, 46%, to be precise, of bank customers around the world expect their bank to use the data they have to provide a better and personalized experience, an experience which really adds value. And thinking about banks having a wealth of data at their fingertip, they know everything about people. The power that it gives banks to be able to read that data and connect to deeper underlying needs and emotion of the customer to, to try and react to that challenge is immense. And in some countries even, we have Germany, to just name one, 
So people trust banks more than they trust their own hospital or their own doctor with their personal data. So the amount of trust that people put into their banks is immense. And I think this is something that retail banks and financial service sector in general should be using much more. And I think we're going to have a very different, depending on how they use it during this crisis to really connect with the needs and the emotion of the customer, depending on that and the experience that they're going to be able to give their customer, we're going to see a very different trend when it comes to the usage of private data. I do believe so. I think you're absolutely right. I think we will see some different ideas about the value of that data, the use of that data, who has access to that data, and the comfort that people feel and how that data is put to use. And I think that might be one of the more interesting legacies of this awful pandemic that we're now all going through. Well, I think we ought to draw it to a close, Barbara. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you for the conversation. listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com or OxfordFutureOfMarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.